need to know about the Florida Gators, including news, analysis, and opinions? Siri, is there such a show? Have you heard of Pod Up with Matthews in the morning on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or any podcast platform? Oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? You have Hall of Famer Shane Matthews has a show every weekday. I'm going to go check it out tomorrow. Thanks, Siri. Oh. Oh. Well, hi, everybody. This is JC. I'm uh, here in the kitchen. And uh, I did not know I'd be uh, flying this plane right now. I think we're going to have Seth Harp uh, with us. At some point, Shane Matthews is in Dallas. He is in the heat of his preparatory work for the XFL. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of flying blind here because I can't really see anything that um, they would be typically able to see in terms of any kind of response to what we're doing. I didn't know I was doing this. Um, on the uh, on the fly here, but uh, I've been put in this position at least for a few minutes, and uh, we'll just go forward. I, I really can't see or have been told what to look at, so this is kind of um, somewhat embarrassing, although nobody told me that this would be the case. So I guess I'm just going to talk to myself and to you, or if anybody's out there listening, and, and the thing I, I would typically say if Seth or Shane were on is that during the week like this basketball at this time of year takes primary focus and when you have a league like the Southeastern Conference uh, that you follow you tend to uh, make note of what's going on out there and look there oh I now see myself here I am this is the, the miracle of uh, a podcast so I'm going to just talk from my kitchen and hope you guys don't um, fall asleep. I wouldn't uh, certainly blame you if you did at this point right now because we have absolutely no preparation for this show. But at this point, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I watched absolutely no basketball last night. I, I didn't watch any basketball. I sat on my butt and read. What I did see here this morning is that Georgia basketball, unlike its football brethren, is very mediocre. And the one common thing I've noticed is that Georgia basketball has a coach that used to lead the program here when it too was very mediocre. So we've kind of offloaded mediocrity to the University of Georgia as they lose to Ole Miss last night, a team that's four games under 500. I've also been told that my man Seth is going to be joining us here momentarily. But Georgia loses 78-74, and they've got Mike White. The other thing that happened last night in basketball that I think I took notice of was Arkansas beating Kentucky on the road in Lexington by 15 points. And this Arkansas team is a team that I have a feeling is about ready to turn it up and challenge Alabama for the uh, lead of the SEC or for the class of this league. It's not Kentucky. It clearly is not Kentucky. It is Arkansas and it is Alabama. And tonight we get to watch Alabama play the Gators. The beloved Gators travel to Alabama after having played at Kentucky, like I said, I don't know, four, five, six times. The schedule maker hates Florida. I mean, that, now, granted, we didn't know before when the season started that Kansas State was going to be as good as they are. 
And we also didn't know that maybe Alabama would even be as good as they are with all those young players that they have, specifically Brandon Miller, who is the freshman of the year in the league and maybe in the country. So that's a tall order to deal with scheduling-wise for the Florida Gators. They sit at 13-10 and 10 right now. They're eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. Uh, Colin Castleton is clearly the uh, leading, I guess, the leader of this team at this point in terms of scoring. Uh, he's, he's the guy that keeps these games close with his production uh, offensively. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that if you're expecting big things tonight from Florida on the road in a tough environment, 15,000 fans on hand in Tuscaloosa, uh, you, you better hope that Colin Castleton maybe plays the game of his, of his career. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I don't think Florida has the depth to match up in a game like this against a team that's nine and one in their last 10 and beat Vanderbilt by 50 some odd points the other day, or was it 60? It regardless, it was, Oh, it was 57. It was one one to 44. And they did that on the same court that Florida's playing tonight. So my expectation level would be down and that's just reality. And I'm sorry if it doesn't uh, make anybody have the warm and fuzzies, but I'm just trying to keep it real here. Uh, points per game averaging, Florida is 71.3. They're going to have to score at least 80 probably tonight or hope that Alabama tanks it from the field. They are uh, ninth in the country at 83.1 points per game. That is not the kind of matchup I think that bodes well for uh, the Florida Gators. But I do expect the Gators to play, play hard. I think they'll give it the effort that we've been accustomed to seeing them give. They are very uh, scrap. They're, they're very, you know, feisty that's a it's a team that won't just fold and die and I do credit Todd Golden you know not that he needs my uh credit but I think fans can realize that these guys at least play hard for this guy unlike maybe those guys up at Georgia with the former coach we had here that look like they're ready to just go ahead and tank the season I mean look at what they've done here in the last few games so that's the that's the comparison that I'm I'm giving for Gator fans because you had what you had last year. He's been offloaded to Georgia. And now I think you've got a team because of his lack of, of, uh, of uh, recruiting or whatever you want to call it is struggling to get through a season with a new coach. And I, I think getting to the uh, big dance is a tall order. I, I just, I don't, don't know. Even if they did get to the big dance, where their seating would be, maybe Florida would be a 10, 11. I, I mean, maybe. And maybe they wouldn't even be that if they don't get in, they have to play in. I, I don't, I don't really know. I just, I'm not, I mean, Chris Harry would be able to tell you a lot more. Kevin Brockway is certainly an expert on Gator basketball. I become an expert on things and with teams when they win and they're interesting to me. And I don't just have black blind loyalty. I've told Shane when Alabama couldn't play basketball as a graduate, I didn't care. And that, if that makes me look bad, that's just because I got other things to talk about or I'm interested in other things. And now with the way they've ascended in the college basketball world, giving this coach, uh, what, a, a, a seven-year extension? I'm interested all of a sudden. They're going to build a, a, an arena for this guy up in Tuscaloosa. So basketball is a good thing going on up there, and Florida gets to go there tonight. Uh, last night as well, we had Texas A&M beat Auburn. I think Auburn's been a disappointment this year as well. Bruce Pearl, they are 17-7. and seven. They are fourth in the SEC, but they're not the Auburn team that I think has final four potential. I also think South Carolina could be the worst team in the league. They lost to Missouri last night as well. And so simply 
Look, that's what happened in the league last night. It's a February week. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes my man, Seth Harp, straight out of the bedroom into the studio. He says LeBron knows. So he's going to have to explain that one to me, Seth. What does that mean? He knows, baby. He knows. Good morning, Jason. Morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> Did they, so, so Seth, what, did you get a good night's sleep last night? Get your eight hours in? What's going on, bro? I was working out. <laughs> we can't blame you for that. I, you, I, you, I, see, look, look, you can't fake this, JC. You look good, dude. You look, you look fabulous. <laughs> I was over there working out like, oh, I'm going to try it by myself. My apologies. My apologies. I was just kind of lecturing everybody on the uh, mediocrity of the Georgia Bulldog basketball program or the lack of mediocrity uh and how you know they got the coach that nobody wanted here so they can deal with that and then how florida tonight's got a tall order traveling to tuscaloosa after coming off a, a rough game at well not a rough game but a loss at kentucky who by the way chose to lose by 15 last night to arkansas so um watch out for the razorbacks i think uh, i think um i think they're about ready to go another volume they're a good yeah. team they, they have the talent. They're a Sweet 16 team, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they have the talent to do that. And, and the thing that, you know, hot starts are great. Georgia got off to a hot start. There's teams throughout the country that got off to a hot start. But now you get into that grind. And regardless of the conference that you're in, with maybe the exception of the WCC that Gonzaga and St. Mary's are in, you know, there are certain teams in this conference, and I heard you talking when I logged in, that are, that, that are wins. You know, Bandy's not very good. Ole Miss is not very good. Uh, but, you know, there's some good teams at this conference. And when's the last time that you could sit here? And I, I think we've seen multiple teams in the Final Four. Uh, the year, what, South Carolina? Was it South Carolina got to the Final Four? And was, was, it wasn't South Carolina, Kentucky. Was it South Carolina and Auburn? My brain's a fog right now. We've seen multiple SEC teams get to a Final Four. Now, the question is, is that possible again? I mean, is, is Tennessee uh, and Alabama, could, could we have two SEC teams in the Final Four again? Uh, compared well, to any other conference, I mean, the Big Ten's a one-trick pony, right? Maryland's okay, but it's going to be Purdue if it's anybody. I think the, the conference is good. Uh, so, well, I, yeah, yeah, I, Seth, I would say maybe the Big Twelve could slip a couple in there, or at least one. Uh, the Big Twelve to me seems to be um, very talented across the board. I mean, when you've got Baylor as one of the teams in the middle of the road, there, that, that's that's a good conference right there. And, you know, overall, you, you look at what – and it, it, I think for the Florida Gators, it's a thing that – it's a good thing Arkansas is good. Picking off low-hanging fruit isn't going to get yeah. you into the tournament. They need no. more wins like Tennessee. And, and tonight yeah. – They need – that. yeah. This is what – you know, you need to win games like this if you want to make the NCAA tournament. Especially mm-hmm. if you've had some bad losses in there like the Gators have had. So, mm-hmm. I look at it this way. Is tonight going to be a yeoman's task? Yes. If they are able to beat Alabama. And look, mm-hmm. Colin Castleton has been a beast. We mm-hmm. said this. You remember, I, I talked earlier on the Monday podcast how he's like Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriend of that one episode where he's beautiful in one light and ugly in another, and sometimes ugly in another. He was beautiful last week. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, I mean, for, uh, but for Florida to win, Seth, how many points? I mean, where are they? Got? They got to be in the upper 70s, don't yes. you think? Yeah, yeah, if they're going to win this game, it's going to have to be like 75, 72. If, if they're going to win, that's where they're going to have to get. They're going yeah. to have to catch some breaks. Some Alabama guys are going to have to get in some foul trouble. And, you know, you mentioned this on Monday, and it's a great point. Colin Castle can come out and score 30 points and 10 rebounds. They can still lose by 20. 
Yeah. Because I mean, they've got to get help, man. He's got to get Lofton involved. He's got to get these players. These guys have got to, got to, yeah. they've got to shoot the three. They've got to open up the game and just run with these guys. I, I think that's how you win. I don't think you're going to win trying to play a half court game. Alabama will take that and, yeah. and, and shut it down and, and basically with their defense and create offensive opportunities and easy baskets if you try to play that game. I don't, I mean, I think, I think this is going to be a tough one tonight because of just the matchup. But I could be wrong. I'm not a basketball expert. I'm not Chris Harry or Kevin Brockway who followed this uh, night in and night out. But I just see numbers. You know, I'm looking at stats. All right, I look at at the at the numbers, and I think they matter on February the 9th or whatever this whatever today is, because we've had two months now to see what we 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 know. I mean, we've been able to watch, and I. I you know, they're going to have to catch Alabama on a cold night. I mean, this is a team that beat Vandy by 57 points the other night uh, at home. So, you know, where you you are now, if you're in Alabama, Alabama, you're playing for what? You're playing for an SEC crown and a one seed. So it's not not like it's, oh, they don't really have anything to play for. Of course they do. Florida's playing. Oh, yeah. No, that, that, they don't want to lose this game at home to Florida. That would kill their their top. I mean, right now they're in the top line um, and maybe not the one overall seed, but they're a one somewhere. They're a one in some bracket, right, some region, and that's where they want to stay. I mean, that gives you the easiest path, Seth, because you play the 16 in your first game, and then you play the winner of the 8-9 game in the second round. To get to the Sweet 16, that's the easiest path. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get there. I think North Carolina last year as an eight or nine seed won that game against the top-seeded team. I don't know. I can't quite remember who they beat, but North Carolina beat the one seed in that second round last year and got to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I think somebody once told me this. and I can't remember if it's true or not. Isn't it true that the one seed is the only seed in the tournament that plays a single-digit seed automatically in the second round? You know, if you're a two, you could yeah. take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, but anyway, but yeah. I, I, I'm just dodging. Yeah, I'm just dodging. But you're well, right. That's a I mean, that's a tough pull. That's a tough draw for an eight or nine to have to deal with the top seed in the region. And the odds are, uh, over time, in the history, that the eight nine does not do well against the oh. one. What was so, the one seed wins their first round matchup? 90, was it 99% of the time? Yeah. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore County or whatever that a couple years ago would be Virginia. And then I think in the second round, it's something like 81% that the one yeah. seed advances to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, we are, right. We're playing for conference titles, if that matters to anybody, yeah. and seeding in the tournament. That's what the regular season is about. It's about seeding. Well, so. uh, and this is one of these things, because it used to matter. And I don't think it matters anymore. Um, but there was a time that we used to sit here and say, would it be more beneficial to make the NIT and win three or four games, getting home games, getting the fans around more? Um, go to New York. Go to New York. Go to Madison Square Garden and win. Be on national TV. Um, yeah. And it was one of those debates that I had when I was a wee young man, JC. So, I'll, <laughs> but I'll throw it your way. How about this? <laughs> it would be more beneficial for the Gator basketball program to go one and done in the NCAA tournament or go to New York in the NIT. Oh, I think it would be to go to – well, one and done in the tournament is always a bad option. So I'd say go to the NIT and play in New York if they're fortunate enough to even get to New York. But, uh, but you know, the, the idea is to get to the tournament. That's where coaches' bonuses are, are laid out and contracts and so forth. And to get to that tournament 
you know, that's the thing. You always got a chance if you're in the tournament, but the realities um, can be explosively exciting. Who was it? St. Peter's last year. So, I mean, these things can happen, but they're very um, rare. It's kind of like winning one of these dumb lottery things at night uh, uh, during the week. You know, I got five numbers or four numbers and it's completely random, right? Well, they can play their way in and win something, but we're not going to see St. Peter's probably do it this year. It was a it was a long shot thing, and it happens once a year to somebody. Yeah. So the only way that can happen is if you're in the tournament. But the odds are, and the reality is, is that if you can play four games, maybe three of those at home and one on the road, and then go to New York City for a Final Four, how does that not how's that not a good experience as opposed to getting your your tail kicked in in Raleigh, North Carolina, in front of 8,000 fans at 12 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. So Yeah, I, I, yeah and Florida's going to have to grind to get past the play-in round. They're going to have to grind yeah, to get past They are. Because right now we're talking about, well, they're, they're in. Well, they're going to be one of the last four in. Even if they won tonight, they'd be on the bubble or one of the last four in. And, mm. you know, that means Dayton, Ohio on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Since I was a little yeah. behind getting started today because I was – Busy pumping iron. Let me sure. get to a couple of these right now, all right? It's it up the, the MRI text line, okay? Uh, it's okay. simple. Just fire away. 352-353-7465. <laughs> That's 352-353-7465. Titan MRI. There you go on that. And also, uh, Facebook Live. You got a question for JC or myself? A Facebook Live question is brought to you by Melvin Law, the only official injury law firm partner of the Florida Gators. So if you have any questions, you can fire away and I'll try to read them as they come in and based on their relevancy. So there we go. But no, I, there's no moral victories, especially no. in the tournament. But I, I think if you're, I think how Florida plays tonight, I, I do think it matters. The fact that they came back against Kentucky and yeah. made that game, I think it matters. If they can keep this competitive tonight and yeah, lose by lose by 10 or, or, or fewer points, then I, I think then you build some momentum going into Vandy and Ole Miss. And yeah, those are two winnable games there. Yeah. yeah. Very, very winnable. Magic number to me, they're 13 and 10 and six and four. If they could somehow get to 18 and 13, which is what did I five and three, then if they win a game in the NCAA tournament, you put yourself in the discussion. So you mean the SEC tournament? Yeah. Well, I, well, yeah, and, and maybe it might take two or three wins. I remember last year Texas A&M won something like four straight games in the SEC tournament. I watched them play. That was an NCAA tournament team, and they got shunned yeah. on Selection yeah. Sunday, and I thought that was awful because athletically speaking, that was a very good team last year, but their record was was not as uh, gaudy, and they they played to the finals. They played four straight nights in the SEC tournament last year down in Tampa. And that was an NCAA tournament team and they didn't get invited. So you can see how hard it can be for some teams like that. And I think that's Florida's situation right now, unless we see lightning strike, they beat Alabama, they win the Vanderbilt game, they win the Arkansas game, they win the LSU game, you know, and so forth. So, you know, unless they uh, hit a different speed, a different level, I, I, I've seen what I've seen. I, I know what this team is. I kind of think I know what this team is. Uh, you got some other games tonight, uh, Seth. You've got Mississippi State, who's all all of a sudden found a different gear. They've won a couple games in a row. They're dangerous defensively, and they're a ten point favorite at home against LSU. So that's a, a big opportunity for Mississippi State to kind of keep the ball rolling because that's a team that Florida's competing with in the league for um, you know consideration for the Big Dance. And then 
Tennessee and Vanderbilt tonight up in Nashville. That will be a closer game than what maybe think fans think because it's in Vandy. It's a rivalry game. It's you know, it's this, it's that, and so those are the three conference games tonight that we're going to be uh, keeping our eye on. And then of course we go into Saturday. So with Vanderbilt, yeah, and, you know, well, when they lay out that tape, the tail of the tape, like they do in boxing in the NCAA tournament, and you know, on Selection Sunday when they go, okay, quality wins, bad losses, top what RPI top fifth when they lay all those things out, quad one wins, quad two wins, you know, you have to ask yourself what's more impressive, your wins or what's more detrimental, your losses. Mm-hmm. And with a win tonight, um, it's going to be a tall task. Good gracious. I, I, I think so. It'd be, it'd be bigger than beating Tennessee, of course, because it's on the road and everything that lines into it. It would be. It would be. It would mean more. It sure would. It would It would really. I mean, Florida's got one thing going for it. It's their RPI. I think it's their RPI, and I think it's their schedule. So, yeah. Yeah, and again, it, I don't want everybody to get down if they go in there and the barn gets blown, doors get blown off, and you lose by 25. That's fine because, to, to me, you know, you got to pick your low-hanging fruit. We always keep looking ahead, and you should look ahead sometimes. I know coaches don't look ahead, but it's our job to look ahead because that's how, okay, what do we have to do to get here? What do you have to do to get there? Yeah. One thing that – and I'm going to use a, bas- or a football reference here to talk about basketball – but when Jim Trestle was at Ohio State, I was living in Michigan and covering Michigan, Michigan State at the time. And Michigan yeah. had owned Ohio State, won like nine of eleven against them. Yeah. And Jim Trestle came in and basically said, "Hey, look, you're gonna you're proud of our students uh-huh. off the field, on the field. You're gonna be proud of our students in three hundred and so and so days." It's like, whoa, what's this yeah. about? Well, that was, yeah. Back yeah. It up. So well, you, that you, was... you point down the line, and yeah. you and I, I think, are in agreement. That Kentucky game is going to be a game at home. That's going to determine whether or not this team makes the NCAA tournament. Well, I, you know, I would say yes, and I would also say though that they're going to have to they're going to have to win these games like Vanderbilt and LSU. Oh, of course, yes, of course. After those to to for that to transpire, and then yeah, I think in the um, in Nashville you're going to have to win you know one or two at least at least. Um, so we'll see that they they got a tough they they've got a tough uh, uh, tough assignment tonight, but I think a good showing will help. And if you lose a game by a point against a team like this. Uh, it, it, you know, we're not into moral victories, but it will take people will notice that. So that's that's important, um, Seth. So I, I, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but you know what else is this weekend, my man? Is uh, of course the Super Bowl in Phoenix and uh, Glendale. And I was looking at some of the, um, you know, the line in that game is one and a half, and nobody's really taking a stand on that line, and everybody's. Good onto this new thing called prop betting. Have you ever, you know what I'm talking about when you say, will Patrick Mahomes throw for over or under 289 yards? Will the Chiefs score? You know, or, you know will they kick three field goals or four? And, and or un, over under there. And <clears throat> I find that very interesting, even though here in the great state of Florida, the third most popular state in the world, we can't do it. And I, I made, I sent a tweet last night where, 20% of Americans, Seth, 20%, that's one in five, okay, one in five Americans will bet on the Super Bowl, and here we are in the third most populous state in America, and that legally cannot happen. It's a joke, isn't it? It's an absolute I, it, it's like, joke. What world are we not, why aren't we moving forward in this world? And so it has to go to a constitutional amendment. It has to be voted on, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, bankrupt states like Illinois and bankrupt states like Michigan just turn switch on and they've got it. 
So it's frustrating. It's a source of frustration for me. You don't have to want to do it, but you should have the ability to try and do it if you want to bring interest into this game for you and your your friends. And this is where that's my soapbox. No, 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 no. You're right. The, the the last election, the spin on this is this, and this is where you know when you're you have an uninformed electorate at times, mistake that you, you whip on things like this because you know I tried to get gambling on the ballot for years and the ability to bet on sports for years. Seminole tribe has puppet strings. They control politicians, Tallahassee. They control it. They do. They control it. They shut it down. Well, the thing that bothers me about this is you see ads like, well, if you legalize sports gambling in Florida, the money will be leaving the state. It will, the gambling money will be leaving the state. And like, Hey kids, it's leaving the state now. You're betting online. It's leaving the state now. And oh, by the way, have you ever enjoyed a delicious Chick-fil-A sandwich? That money's leaving the state. Their company headquarters aren't in Florida. Anytime you buy a product that's not made in Florida, your money is leaving the state. Whether it's fast food, whether it's what, no matter what, your car, your car's not made in Florida. It's not. So I just think it's hilarious. This whole thing on, well, if you legalize sports gambling in the state of Florida, then the, the, the outside forces are going to come in. like well, what, and, what, yeah. what I think that is, Seth, is that you've got people in the paramutual industry who are threatened by something like this, knowing that discretionary dollars that are used for that type of activity will not be going to stupid horse racing and, and, and uh, highlight frontons and poker tables. They're going to go to this, and that's a threat. And so somehow they convinced the federal judge to shut the Seminole Indian tribe down in Tampa. The Hard Rock app was open a year ago last November, and the federal judge shut it down because they want to bring in competition, perhaps, uh, allow other companies, Bet MGM, Caesars, uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, to come in and do this as well and nobody's figured out how to make that that framework possible and meanwhile you've got these paramutual industry guys down in south florida who come from the northeast and now have set up shop in south florida threatened by sports wagering because their businesses are failing so i i you know you go down to tampa and that dog track is i don't know if it's open or not but it's a poker room now and that's not what it was built for so you don't you know you don't need uh, 100,000 square feet to build a poker room. You know, you build a dog track or, you know, 500,000 square feet. But the point is, is that I think um, this state has got to get it together because billions with a B is being left on the table to places like Indiana and Illinois and Mississippi. And and so, I, I you know, Louisiana, they're going to have Lake Charles, Louisiana is a town. I don't know why I got off this t- this topic, but we are tough to soup out the Super Bowl. It's big gambling. Thing. It's a, it's well, a billion-dollar industry. Right. So Lake Charles, Louisiana, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, every single hotel room is sold out for March Madness. And it's not because people want to go to Lake Charles in the third week of March to look at the trees and enjoy the weather. It's because of March Madness. The economic opportunities are being left. And they say, well, JC, what does Florida care? We've got tourism, we've got Disney and all this other crap. Well, you're leaving money on the table, regardless of what you have. And so if Lake Charles, Louisiana has sold out their hotels for the first round and second round of March Madness, what the hell are we doing in this state? So I think I've got confidence that the governor is going to reinitiate this and the, 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 the administration's Department of the Interior agrees with, uh, with DeSantis.
And so we've got to get it through uh, the voters, I guess. And that's just frustrating. You never know when that's going to happen. Yeah. And again, it's one of these things, too, where certain things have been passed. But you're right. It gets to Tallahassee. And then it's yeah. like, well, how do we? Well, we're, we're going to gradually we're going to manipulate this. And it's one of those things that, you know, lobbyists get involved and it, it gets stopped dead in its tracks. Just know this, that, you know, New York, it's a billion dollar piece of the pie. New York State. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a billion dollar piece of the pie. And you talk about the size in the state of Florida. The fact yeah. that sports Unbelievable. I would love to see it will never happen, but I would love to see Scott Strickland set up a gambling entity, a place you can bet inside Ben Hill Griffin Stadium when they remodel this thing or they build a new football stadium. JC, what are we hearing if they build that new football stadium? Um, that may be a story for a different day. But as you look yeah. at things, I would love a concourse where you can bet on the game, you can place prop bets on whatever you're watching like okay over under catches in the first quarter for gator receivers i would love to see it love to see it chris writes florida had a lot more problems than legalized sports betting everybody well guess how you solve those problems with money sometimes and employment you know new jersey took took this issue to the supreme court i think to be able to do what the state of nevada is able to do at one point, the state of Nevada was the only state in the country that was able to do this. New Jersey at least had the foresight, which is very rare for, for the state of New Jersey, but they had the foresight to think how we can create revenue for our broke-ass state. And it, it's, it's working. And yeah, Florida may have more problems than whether or not we can do sports gambling, but that's not the point. The point is make it available on your cell phone legally to do mobily for those who want to do it. And for those who don't, who the hell cares? I'm not talking about opening up the Stardust, the Frontier, the Riviera, the Dunes, the, the uh, MGM Grand, the freaking Aladdin down 13th Street. I'm not talking about that, even though it probably do games with wonders to have some real money flowing through this place. But I'm simply saying allow folks the freedom to do what they can do in 23 or four other states in this country and soon will be over 30. And for the third most populous state, to not do, be able to do something that one in five Americans are going to do on Sunday is absurd to me. And it's not 2023 thinking, it's 1963 thinking. And that's, that's I yeah, look, you don't have to agree with it, but you should be able to say, if you do want to do it, it's there. Your location setting should be able to work and you should be able to go to BetMGM or Caesars or FanDuel or DraftKings. And if you want to put 10 bucks on whether or not Patrick Mahomes throws for 287 yards or not, you should be able to do it. Doesn't mean you have to. Well, the same people that say, oh, it can develop an addiction, so can cough syrup. Oh, so, well, yeah, I'm addicted so. to this. This is an addiction right here. Yes. You know, how do, how do we know in 10 years we're not going to find out that these things blow your brains out with radiation poisoning? Yeah. I don't know. That when they were smoking cigarettes in the 30s and 40s, did they know they were killing themselves? Yeah. Even though it should be common sense that when you send smoke down your trachea, you're going to kill yourself. But they didn't, and they kept no. doing it. So what's the difference? I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to this. Give me a break with that addiction crap. That's the a, that's the laziest excuse I've heard of course in it is. my whole life about all oh, they can get addicted. Show some self-respect and some control. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's as simple as that. When you run out, guess what Charles has problem? You run out of money, all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. So there you I go. Guess, I, I saw this and it's absolutely hilarious because it's true. If you legalize sports gambling in the state of Florida, you can get rid of all the toll roads. 
oh, well, well, gee, then I could get rid of that ridiculous thing on my windshield that raised that takes money out of my bank account for driving under a, 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 a yeah. I mean, there's so many things you could do. It's all about revenue creation and. And that's the world we live in today, folks. And, and we need it because of the amount of money we spend that we don't have in this country, by the way. All right. So. We gotta take you gotta take a time out here really quick. Uh do, 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 thank you. I was that Chris for that Facebook Live question brought to you by Meldon Law, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. Uh and Kyle Crooks waiting in the wings. We're getting ready to Okay. This is gonna be good stuff, but enjoy the game tonight. I say Alabama by eleven. All right, I got you, and we'll see you on Friday, Seth. Kyle Crooks coming up next here on Pot Up with Matthews in the morning. <laughs> we want to take this moment to thank our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. Our premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Titan MRI, Gainesville's only locally owned and operated MRI facility. Meldon Law, the only official injury and accident law attorneys of the Florida Gators. Peaceland Dental, Gator Nation's first choice for dentistry in Port Charlotte. Comfort Temp, comfort is our business, peace of mind is our promise. Campus USA Credit Union. QC Kinetics, live pain-free with QC Kinetics. Dave and Busters, eat, drink, play, and watch. Our gridiron sponsors are Auto ER, UF Bookstores, Celebration Point Town Center, Chris Doring Mortgage, Silverback Concrete Co., Ruse Ogre State Farm Insurance, Doreen Wibby, Realtor, Caldwell Banker, M.M. Parrish. Our touchdown sponsors are Adams Ribs, Gator Dominoes, Celebrate Primary Care, Gator Bait Media, Okito America, Style Cuts, Ironwood Golf Course, Big Mills Cheese Steak, McDonald's of Gainesville, 84 Lumber, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Aver and Smith, Dowling Signs, Baker's Sporting Goods, Silver Q Billiards, and Sports Bar. If you're interested in promoting your business on the show, call Freddie at 352-284-3733. If you like what we're doing here, make sure to follow us and support the businesses that support us. Calling Gator Nation. You are invited to be part of Gator History on Friday, February 10th for the official dedication of Steve Spurrier Way at Celebration Point Promenade in front of Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. Lots of dignitaries and press will be on hand to witness this historic event. And it's open to all who bleed orange and blue. It's the grand unveiling of Steve Spurrier Way. It's all happening Friday, February 10th from 530 to 615 at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill in Celebration Point. Zellar Parpon Sports, Kyle Crooks, the golden voice of Gators women's basketball, mm-hmm. Gators women's soccer, mm. uh, Gators softball. Insert any sport, he can do it. This is Pot Up with Matthews in the morning, coming to you from the Crime Prevention Security System Studios. Large enough to serve you, small enough to care, and also reminding you, Gator fans, come honor. Uh, Gator legend Steve Spurrier, Celebration Point, Steve Spurrier Way, officially going to be unveiled February 10th. That's two days from now. It's Friday, isn't it? Yeah, 5.30 p.m., promenade in front of Spurrier's Gridiron Grill and Celebration Point. Go Gators. I know that they're going to name an alley after me over on 36th Street coming up here <laughs> uh, when my uh, illustrious career is winding down. But nonetheless, Kyle Crooks in. I hand the baton over to him as he leads this next half hour. Seth, it's it's good to see you, my friend. I know we did a show uh, a week ago or maybe a couple weeks ago after the uh, NFC and AFC championship games. I know you're 
revved up because your Chiefs are getting set to play in the Super Bowl on Sunday. And uh, I know I don't know how much sports wise you have a, a whole lot to look forward to. I don't know what your other teams are. I know that you're a Chiefs fan and you've been here in Gainesville in the last couple of years. But here we go. Uh, just how excited are you, Seth, right now? What we said we said a couple of weeks ago after the championship games, this was the best matchup, we think, out of the four teams. Right now, the line sits Eagles favored by one and a half. So it's essentially almost a, a pick em going into the Super Bowl. How fired up, how confident are you heading into Sunday? Right after the game, I said the Eagles are going to beat them after the conference championship games because Patrick Holmes' ankle, all the Nicole Hardman, all the injuries that the Chiefs have accumulated. Let's face it, the Chiefs had their number two, number four, number five receiver on the field at the end of the game. Um, I, you start to see some numbers, and I, I start to wonder how wrong I was <laughs> of jumping the gun. I didn't know this, and I saw this stat. Patrick Mahomes has played the number one defense in the NFL eight times in his career. You know what his record is? Seven and one. Seven and one. And he's playing the wow. number one defense this weekend. So I for what that's worth, all right. Now this is a different stage. It's a bigger stage. We saw a couple years ago in the Super Bowl when he had an offensive line that was kind of dinged up, what he wasn't able to do. But I, you know, we have Eagles fans that are students that, that I talk to, and I ask them this: when's the last time you beat a good quarterback? What's the last good quarterback you built that you beat you beat Eagles fans? Well, we um Trevor Lawrence, what, week six or week 12, whatever. I mean, so it's been a long time. I, I think that right now, if you, if you, if I were a betting man, which I am, I would say the Chiefs win the game by four points. I think it's like a 28, 24, 24, 20 type of game, but I think it's going to be good. I do. And, you know, two years ago, we had a dud. Uh, the Chiefs, and I thought the 49ers was a very good game, mm -hmm. not a great game, but a very good game. Last year was kind of eh. And the Bengals and the Rams, it wasn't the most pretty thing in the world. Uh, of course, you keep going back over time, and the, the Patriots-Rams game was a dud. The Patriots-Falcons game was a dud until the final 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I think this one gives us a shot to be a good game. I I don't see the Eagles blowing out the Chiefs. The Eagles, not, the Eagles aren't going to beat the Chiefs by more than 10 points. The, it could happen in on the other side of the ledger, but – you know, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire's coming back for the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It's it just another guy that they can hand the ball off to. Uh, if the Chiefs can rush the ball for 80 yards or more, they'll win the game. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Eagles up front right now. That's probably one of the yeah. best units in this game. If you look at – if you parse out all the position groups up front defensively, that's probably, besides obviously Mahomes and, and Kelsey on the other side, but you look at Fletcher Cox, you got Hassan Reddick. I mean, that group up front is tough. You have two offensive lines that are elite in this game, two defenses that are very good. Eagles probably better defensively. Um, the big question right now, the health of Patrick Mahomes, and that was a big question going into the championship game. How healthy is that ankle? And he answered a lot of questions uh, in the positive on his end. He, he tweaked it a little bit towards uh, in the second half of that game, but he's had now two weeks to get healthy. And I, I think he's going to be healthy enough where, but, but now you factor in the best pass rush against maybe a not a hundred percent mobile Patrick Mahomes. 
if you had to guess percentage wise, how mobile is Patrick Mahomes in this game? Is he 50%, 60%? I don't know, but that's, that's a big wrinkle in this game. Can he get outside the pocket and make plays? And let's face it, even though, you know, he played banged up, it'll been three weeks since the injury, right? So, I mean, that's everything, isn't it? Now, that's why they have to run the ball. That's why they have to run the ball. And, and I also look at it like this. You know, you've got Nick Sirianni against Andy Reid. Let's face it, Andy Reid kind of out-schemed Kyle Shanahan in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl a couple years ago. He got him. Um, you know, you know, you go back to the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, Andy Reid did a nice job against the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Uh, the problem was Donovan McNabb didn't play very well. And he didn't spread the ball out. You know, T.O. played. Remember, T.O. was coming off a big injury uh, that game, too. And he had a monster Super Bowl. He had like seven catches for 105 yards. Uh, it was just one of those games where, you know, the Patriots defense kind of suffocated the Eagles and took away some things. So you wonder, I, I agree with you, you know, the, the front four of Philadelphia, they can get pressure without blitzing. Then the question is, what does Patrick Mahomes do with that pressure? He's better than anybody yeah. in my life of buying an extra two, three seconds than anybody we've ever seen. He just is. He's better at it than anybody we've ever seen. Um, but you saw in the AFC Championship game, he couldn't buy an extra two or three seconds until the end of the game. And if he's 100% healthy, he turns down the sidelines on that and maybe doesn't need the 15-yard penalty. Uh, so it, it, this is, to me, an ele- there's so many elements that come to this. But if Andy Reid, if Patrick Mahomes, let's say, is 70% and he can win a Super Bowl against the number one defense in the NFL mm-hmm. with a 70% Patrick Mahomes – then you start to look at things, Kyle, like this was the Chiefs rebuilding year. They have six rookie starters or six rookies that were playing in, in the fourth quarter of that Bengals game. Then you start to look around and majority of their stars, with the exception of Travis Kelsey, are under the age of 30. Mm-hmm. Then you start to bring in the D word, don't you? Don't we start talking yeah. dynasty don't, don't, with a win this weekend? Um, so that, that there's so many different layers there, but I, I think it's going to be – it's going to be an enjoyable schematic game because what do we always say? And what does everybody say? Defense wins championships. We's about to find out. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. I mean, this is a legacy game. Yeah. It's a cliche phrase, right? Read without a doubt. Yeah, with both of them. Yeah, read Mahomes. If Mahomes gets two, two is a separator, and he's very early on. He's he's not even thirty years old yet. Uh, how old is Patrick Mahomes? Twenty seven. Seven. Twenty seven. Right now, you have a second uh, a second championship before thirty. Not many quarterbacks can say that. I'll ask you this. I mean, this Chiefs team. It, it's it's not very long. If they win this, everybody's going to hate it. It's it's going to be like the Patriots. It's like in the Warriors, they were the the new hot thing on the block. And then once you win a couple championships, everybody hates you. They say, oh, we got to see this again. Although we all love watching greatness, so we wouldn't complain, but we would complain. Um, Do you think that Mahomes can possibly get, if he wins this one, can he get to Brady seven? That's the big question. I mean, there's so many variables that go into being able to win a Super Bowl, let alone five more after this one. Do you think he could eventually, I, I think eventually his skill set and what he's done, he's changed the game. He's like Steph Curry in the NBA. Now everybody shoots 35 footers because it's fashionable. The way Mahomes plays the game, um, it's going to influence the, the, the next generation of quarterbacks coming up. There's no doubt about it. Do you think he can eventually get to that point and become 
in that class of one of the greatest of all time? Um, no, not seven. I no, think that's, yeah, I don't think no, so. Either. But here's the thing: five. Yeah, yeah, I think you get past Montana. I think you get past Bradshaw because mm-hmm. you start to look at that that though that layering, and you know Brady seven, right? Bradshaw four, Montana four, Aikman three. I don't think anybody else has three, do they? <clears throat> Roethlisberger has two, Manning has two, Eli, and so does Peyton. Yeah, Peyton has three. Um, I know that Joe Gibbs has three as a coach, but we were talking about players. So I, I think with the win here, then you know he's twenty-seven. He's got he'll have two. Um, but the thing that he's got going against him is the AFC's loaded with quarterbacks. Yeah, I was going to mention that it would be harder to get through your conference, you know, let alone the Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Raiders, you could have Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and the best passer I haven't even mentioned yet. Justin Herbert's the best pure thrower in that division. Mm -hmm. So people forget that that team was pretty good this year. If you take the two losses against the Chiefs, who they have to play every year. So I, I, you know – for his legacy, and you're right, this team's about ready to, if they win, they're going to turn into the Warriors. They're going to turn into that team that, you know, all of a sudden wins all these games and wins a couple championships. I remember when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, it was right after 9 11. U2 was playing at halftime. It's like, yeah, America's team, America's team. Within three years, they were like, this sucks. I'm tired of these guys the same all, all the time, all the time, which I don't know any dynasty that anybody loves other than that particular fan base. Mm-hmm. But, Dynasties are great for sports. They are. Uh, hold on here. I got a couple things. Is this uh, Melden, uh, Melden Law Facebook Live? Where's Shane Lamar? Shane is busy with uh, camp. He's busy with um, coaching. He's mentoring the next yes. generation of star. No, he's he's getting ready for the XFL season. So Kyle Crooks, myself, Seth Harp in here today. So there you go. Jimmy Johnson has three. If you count the one Switzer one with Jimmy. Yeah. He's handed to Switzerland. Yeah, Butch Davis has a national championship at Miami too. If you do that, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so there we go. But no, I, I I'm looking forward to it, and I uh, I'm a Pacers fan. Grew up in Indiana, so there's not much happiness there. Um, the Red Sox. It was like your sports fans are sprawled out all across the country. Seth. Yeah, when I was a kid, the Colts weren't in Indianapolis; they were in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Pacers, you know, the, the Pacers are the only team. So it's like, okay, everybody loved the Bulls. I'm like, I'm not jumping on that. No way, Jose. And being from there, you know, that clash with Chicago all the time. Um, I was a Red Sox fan. We didn't have professional baseball, Andy. And, you know, growing up and watching them get their heart broken against uh, the Mets and everything that went into that. Plus, the lady that babysat me when I was a kid, family was from Worcester. So they had that Mm. thick New England accent. So I'm, I'm spread out all across the country, man. And everybody, oh, you're just a bandwagon guy. Anything that you want to know that happened before they won titles, come find me. Because yeah. I was a miserable cat until 2003. All the way up through 22, my sports team <clears throat> didn't do anything. So there we go. You want to know who my teams were? There you go. And I went to Western Michigan University. And they went to the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago. But other than that, that's about mm, That's right. We want to knock out some of these reads right now, Seth. I know you got them. Yeah. Uh, some of our advertisers. Here. And I know we, you want to look at some other things, too. Uh, let's do this here really quick. Uh, Pot Up with Matthews in the Morning is a service of Chris Doring Mortgage. They do mortgage lending right, helping home buyers throughout Gainesville, North Central Florida. Call Chris Doring Mortgage today, 352-244-0840. That's 352-244, excuse me, 0840. And also Peachland Dentistry, 
Peachland Dentistry, Gator Nation's number one choice for dentistry in Port Charlotte and surrounding areas. Visit them at peachtreedental.com and join us on Friday uh, for Peachland Dentistry, JC and the QB Weekend Picks. I need to go to the dentist, by the way. Can't start my last appointment. Same here. If I told you the last time Seth and I went to like an actual dentist appointment, you'd look at me and you'd be like, dude, you have some problems. You know, I brush my teeth every night, all that stuff. I just don't like the dentist. Same thing with the doctor. I don't go to the doctor as much as I should. Yeah. You know? So I need to do a tight MRI. My shoulder's killing me. It's all this, all this muscle structure. LeBron mm. knows, Kyle. He broke well, you know what? I stayed up last night, Seth, to, to make, to, to be able to witness history, I guess. Yes. And LeBron breaks it, the, the record with 10 seconds to go in the third quarter. And I think the, the most hilarious part about the celebration was that there were still 10 seconds left in the third quarter and they still had to finish the, the rest yeah. of the quarter. But what a celebration last night for those that don't know. And I don't know if you've talked about it already, LeBron becomes the all-time scoring leader in the NBA. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in attendance. And we talk about greatest of all time with Mahomes, this, that, or the other. And I don't necessarily want to get into the LeBron-Jordan debate because I think everybody's done that at nauseum to this point. But we, we mentioned transcendent-type players. The way LeBron is built, the way he plays, it's something necessarily we haven't seen a whole lot ever um, you know, they like to compare him to Jordan, but I think that the more, the, the better comparison is him to Magic. Magic was there last night. The way he facilitates, um, I, I don't know how many career assists he has, but he's not, he's not like Kobe and Jordan were a better comparison because Kobe, he emulated Jordan almost to every single move that Jordan did. But LeBron, if you look at, I would say you easily put him in the top five um, all time. Where do you have Jordan? Uh, where do you have LeBron all time? He's the most complete basketball player ever. Sure. You know, and this is, he's the greatest. And you get into semantics, um, but nobody, the five tools could do five better than LeBron. And this happened a couple of years ago when they beat the Warriors. LeBron James made five plays in the final two minutes that no other, no other player in the history of basketball can make. He went down and blocked the big shot, came out, threw the double team, laid the uh, the assist down. Um, Kyrie hits the big three. He goes mm -hmm. back down at the other end, gets a steal. It's like he did everything that you need a player to do in the final few minutes. LeBron's not blocking Draymond, or Jordan wouldn't be blocking Draymond's shot. Mm -hmm. And Pippen would be in the lane doing that. So I, I look at it like that. He's the most complete basketball player ever. You can argue goat semantics, all those things. Here's, I think, the thing that gets lost with LeBron. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Title said the chosen one. Kyle, and he lived up to it. Yeah, and it very he rarely lived up to it. That. 17, 17, 17 years old, got put on the cover of Sports Illustrated, was told he was the chosen one. And it's like, well, he's King James. Oh, he's not the king. He didn't give himself that nickname. Okay, this guy has never done anything wrong, right? He's never been in trouble with the police. Never had his wife beat him with a golf club, right? He, he's, he's never he's never been in any trouble. There's no reports of fraud or anything with him. So my whole my, and this is my generation's fault, Kyle. Your generation, no, my generation's fault that he didn't. He we were so offended that somebody could even come close to Jordan. So he tried to pick this guy apart in his career every step of the way. Like, well, Jordan, Jordan had killer instinct. Jordan, oh, stop. Alan Cochran, except cry and pitch a fit 
whatever. You, you go back and watch any Jordan game. That dude complained more than anybody in the league. Reggie Miller talked about it. Jordan whined about every single thing, every single call that didn't go his way. There's audio of this and watch old NBA, this whole thing. Jordan never complained. Jordan won a championship all by himself. Yeah, except the two Hall of Famers that were with him and Rodman and Pippen for the second go around. Not that's ridiculous. Anyway, um, he's the most complete basketball player ever. What I what, what's funny about this with Jordan, and I'll let you get thought in on this or LeBron on this is he breaks the all time record. He did it in fewer games than Cream, mm-hmm. right? LeBron's not forty. Cream was forty two. Now you can go. Well, he went to college. Didn't go to college. Fair enough. But he did it in fewer games. Um, Jordan got to his number in fewer games than. But you know, I see this last night. Like, well, he you look how many games it took him. We don't do. We didn't do that with Hank Aaron, did we? We didn't do that with Hank Aaron when he broke Babe Ruth's record. We're like, well, he took he, he did it more games than Ruth. Didn't do that. Didn't do it with Pete Rose when he broke Ty Cobb's record. All these guys that set these longevity marks in baseball and other sports are like, oh, Pete Rose is the hit king. But with LeBron, it's like, well, he's the all-time point. Yeah, but he did it in fewer games. We always hang these asterisks next to him. And it's a shame because just we have an entire generation, my generation, that wasted enjoying this man's career because we wanted to compare him to the hero that we bought his shoes when we were in the fourth grade. So mm-hmm. it's, just, it's it's sad. I've enjoyed watching him play. You can appreciate greatness here and love this. Look, Kyle, you can love blondes and brunettes. You can drink Coke and drink Pepsi. It's okay. You can do those things. And that's that's where I am with LeBron and Jordan. That's where I am. With well, you know, Seth, I look at it this way too, is like we don't necessarily do the same thing with a lot of the big stars in other sports. Like, yeah, like Mahomes, we say, can he get to Brady or can he be the greatest of all time with not necessarily tearing him down? Um, LeBron, I see him. I feel like every step, I don't know if it was the boys and girls club thing where he said, I'm taking my talents to South beach where was the seminal moment for him where everybody just started hating him. Although he gave money to charity during that time and that interview with Jim Gray, but every other athlete, I, I feel like we don't tear down nearly as much as we tear down LeBron and there's all these narratives out there about him, about he's he's not clutch and he's not this and he's not that. You know, I saw, I think it was a clip yesterday, J.J. Redick went through all of the narratives about LeBron and he gave objective numbers to say this is wrong. He When people say he's not clutch, he has like the most clutch field goals in, in NBA history or something like that. People can go find it on Twitter. But there's all these narratives that have been created and, and it's this the Skip Bayless way of thinking, yeah. right? It's like, it's the way of a, a, a pundit to make money. Let's, let's tear down greatness, this, that, and the other. Sure. But he's objectively, like you said, he's never been in trouble, but all the numbers, he's lived up to every single facet of, I remember the first game he played Seth was at Sacramento, that first game he ever played and he had a breakaway dunk and he was, he was incredible. He, he lived up to the hype in game one. This is a guy who had Dick Vitale doing his high school games on ESPN. And we've seen a ton of guys who have not been able to live up to that type of hype, but he has. And he's done it at such a high level. That, that second or the, that Cleveland championship that he, he brought when he came back for the second time against that Warriors team, that's one of the greatest achievements in sports. You know, we had that chase down block in 2016. Like that's one of the craziest championships ever. I I just don't understand why we continue to bring this guy down. Jordan had Gatorade. LeBron has Haterade. And uh, (laughs) one more comment. 
Uh, Jordan played almost his entire career with one team. No, he played for the Wizards. No, he didn't. Almost. <laughs> okay, whatever that means. Then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an abject failure because he went from Milwaukee to the Lakers, right? You can go mm-hmm. through with all sorts. Pete Rose played for three different teams in his career, all-time hit leader. You can go through and find guys that did. Babe Ruth played for three different teams. This whole thing, played for one team your whole career. Eh, yeah, greatness is greatness. It doesn't matter. I don't matter. It doesn't matter what team you play for. Um, the superstars on them so you can win championships. Oh, come on. When Michael did all this stuff, there was no salary cap. It was a different world. Um, again, I can appreciate Jordan's greatness, but to, to, to knock on LeBron, um, just for the sake of knocking on him because you have an inferiority complex about getting old and your guy was better than the younger guy. Uh, again, I, 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 I've never understood that. Wait, who curious. knows, Seth? Maybe we'll do that with LeBron. Maybe we'll do that with John ja Morant down the line and be like, oh, this, this whoever the new guy is will be like, well, he wasn't John ja Morant or he wasn't LeBron James. So I feel like every generation, it's the same thing what we do with music. It's like, oh, you listen to the, the, the older generation says, oh, you listen to this crap. And then we'll probably say the same thing 20 years from now about the next generation. I'll tell you, when you see a player change as many teams and that being a knock, I think the only time that's a knock is if you're Kyrie Irving, because it's the way you've left. Forcing teams. trades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. And, and look, the thing about Jordan, nobody ever brings this up. He's a quitter. He quit. He quit in the summer, right before the season started, to go play baseball. He quit on his franchise. After the draft, after they had a chance, they could have rebuilt, they could have signed free agents. He quit on them. LeBron never quit on his team. Quitter. Mm -hmm. Jordan was a quitter. He was. Well, his father died and he wanted to honor his father's legacy. Nice try. He was a quitter. He quit to play baseball. Now you can talk about the gambling debts, all those conspiracy theories. Those people are whack jobs. LeBron wasn't a quitter. Michael was. Facts. Yeah. Well, Seth, we got to wrap it up. Um, are there any more ads that we have to get to right now? Yeah, I got to uh, fire a couple more off here. Looking back on this. Thanks, uh, JC and, and, and Kyle here on Pot Up with Matthews in the morning. Uh, quick reminder, are you in the market to buy or sell your home? Doreen Weeby, realtor with Coldwell Banker, M.M. Parrish, who provides you with fast, friendly, and reliable service. Call her today, 352-562-1411, to help your dreams of owning a new home or selling your home come true. And also, you know, pretty much got everything else. Comfort temp, baby. Today in sports history. LeBron, I guess we'll go back to this night. LeBron breaks the Mm -hmm. all-time scoring record. There you go. Oh, you forgot LeBron walking off the court in a loss. Oh, Alan, he walked off the court after he got beat. I hate him now. How dare you walk off? Kyle, that's it. This podcast is over. LeBron walked off the court when he got beat. I know he can't be the greatest of all time. Jordan would never, ever do that, ever. All right, that's enough. No. <laughs> what a what an electric way to end this podcast. I'm sure the comments will go over well over that. Well, Seth. <laughs> Seth, appreciate it, man. Good job. Uh, I, I think you're hosting again this week. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, I'm still working on the guest for tomorrow. So we'll see everybody tomorrow. Big thanks to everybody watching. And uh, enjoy the day. Enjoy Gator basketball tonight. See everybody.